What's going on, team? We got another day, of course, and wouldn't you know it, another little bit of chop. We closed yesterday towards the close going down, and then all morning long, we're just climbing back here. Of course, we got a lot to talk about. We got debt ceiling talk, and that might be why you're seeing that shakeup out there. Regional banks holding up in the pre-market. Elon Musk, a lot of talk, of course, coming out of Tesla. We'll talk about Target. We'll get into Wix.com, Doximity, uh, Dynatrace having good earnings there. We'll talk a little bit about something that Dennis saw out there, a lot of secondary offerings. We got some earnings tonight and a lot to talk about right here. You guys know where you're at. Pre-market prep. Hit the like. Let's get it started. It's time to rise and shine. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's see it here. And of course, you guys see the spy climbing right back in the morning action. Let's go to the TLT. You guys see that climbing back here. That's going to be something definitely on watch. Let's go to the GLD for gold. You guys see that kind of going sideways right now. Gold trade's pretty much fallen off the tape as of late. Silver down today. I can do kind of bit uh, BTC uh, to bit. BITC, you guys see uh, Bitcoin has been coming down a little bit. But I mean, the truth is, is it's all, all about the cues, right? Been going sideways. Yesterday was really interesting. I want to talk to Dennis a little bit about this. So let's go ahead. Let's bring him on. How we doing, Dennis Dick? Pretty good. Same thing. We're just seeing just rotation, rotation, rotation. And what it does is it keeps the S&P doing flat out nothing. Could yeah. we be? Could we be in this sideways range for the rest of the year? Could we be in the same spot? Be. We've been one and a, we've been almost one and a half years. We've been looking, you know, hanging out at this 410 spy. And if we go back, mm -hmm. we've been doing this exercise on the charts, you know, take us back to the weeklies, look back to where we were, you know, April, yeah. even going into, you know, October, like, or, or January of, 2022 we were 420 we were on our way down at that point in time but we have hung out between this like 410 420 for basically you know it's been but but we're basically in the same spot we were a year and a half ago same spot we were a year ago same spot we were six months ago same spot we were three months ago it's been some chop but really going nowhere i wonder if the same thing could happen for the next seven months i think you call writers out there i think you guys got it right i think you put writers out there i think you guys got it right i think we're gonna go I think we're going to have a lot of chop, and we're going to have not a lot of directional moving in the S&P. Just chopping around and end up in the same spot. My prediction, 410 SPY, December 31st, 2023. That's my prediction. The well, same spot. At, at least the, those traders will definitely be happy because, you know, they went from wicked volatility to almost no volatility, it seems like, lately. And, um that's definitely something you've been pointing out, Dennis. And I think it's very important, right? Because the truth is, let's say it, trend traders and momentum traders, they make money when we have volatility. It's when we start losing that volatility that it comes really difficult, right? You're, you're trading within the ranges a lot of the times versus looking for those continuation moves higher. Now, one thing that I thought was really interesting yesterday, and I don't know if it, it seems like I was the only one that was watching this or not, but the cues in the spy seemed very different on the action yesterday. Um, cues going up and spy going down and being at the, like the lows all day and hanging out there at the bottom of the range while the cues were kind of breaking new highs. Did you catch this, Dennis? Did, yeah, well, did this is what we weird? talk about. It's the rotation. So you had Home Depot weighing on the overall market. You had a lot of retail not doing well. I can look at the XRT. I had a really rough day. So right away, the bots are like, okay, well, we've got some sectors down. What are we going to buy? It's going to be tech. And we even yeah. said it on the show yesterday. 
Don't be surprised if tech catches a bid because that's what this market does. Microsoft was trading down pre-market that lasted all, you know, about 10 seconds after the open and they just started rip-roaring and rallying that. I mean, this is the market we're in. AMD had a fantastic day. Full disclosure, still long AMD. Um, it's just a matter of rotation. And when you have one sector that gets hit, the other sector picks up the slack. So it's not a matter of any fear out there whatsoever. It's not going to be like Home Depot and we're going to sell stocks across the board. No, 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 no. We're going to buy other stocks because they want the index to go nowhere. So if the index SP is going to go nowhere, they've got to buy something else up. Well, Home Depot, definitely not related to Microsoft. So that was a likely candidate. Microsoft, send your Google making new highs. Amazon had a fantastic day. Forget about Home Depot. Even though Amazon's a retailer, Home Depot's a retailer. They don't connect that whatsoever because, no, homes and building, no, that's different. So we'll just buy Amazon too. We just talked about Amazon look good a couple days ago, and it's really taken off. And, I I mean, it went through that high there from Thursday's second high, which is that 114. And I've been talking about it, how you're now having like the 50 moving average really like kick up. And so in just a few, I think uh, maybe a week or two, we'll have a a golden cross. At least that's what it's looking like on Amazon. And that will mean that from the big boys, at least from all the big boys, the only one not showing the golden cross would be Tesla. You got Apple, Golden Cross, Google, Microsoft, now Amazon trying to play a little catch up. Meta has already had that, of course. And we've seen what NVIDIA has done. It seems like these big boys are just carrying this market. And if maybe, Amazon's maybe we start- should talk that Tesla, you know, you bring it up here. Yeah, and I mean, that Elon it. Musk interview, David Faber did a fantastic job with that. It was very interesting. It was very enlightening to see him just, you know, Boom, you know, just, you know, questions. And he's not the most well-spoken person. So I love the what what he does, though. And Mitch, I'm assuming you watch it, too. I love yeah. when he gets asked a question, and then he doesn't know the answer right away. He just pauses. I mean, you're on live television. There's pressure there. But for you to just sit there for 15 seconds and say nothing takes a hell of a lot of guts. And that's and how you do up, it. And he comes up with a pretty good answer. So, I mean, nobody does that. Somebody asks a question, and I I'm, I'm, I'm answer right away. I mean, I'm hyper, and I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. But sometimes just sitting there and pausing for 10 to 15 seconds, think about your answer, and then give a concise answer to what, you, you know, what your question was is maybe the better way to go. Maybe that's why he's so successful. It's little things like that. He doesn't give a crap that CNBC has 15 seconds of dead air time here right now. What I care about is giving you what I think. Exactly. And, you know, the other, the other thing that he said, too, was speaking of that, which I actually very much respect. They were asking about all his tweet storms and, you know, how this is probably <laughs> hurting Tesla's shareholder price because, you know, yeah. you say things they, that maybe tick off certain potential Tesla buyers. My wife being one of them. She was a Tesla buyer at one time. And then she says, you know, watching what Musk tweets sometimes and what he says. And she's like, I don't want a Tesla anymore. So, I mean, you do turn off some certain investors. But what his answer to that was is, I'm going to say what I want, and if it costs me money, so be it. I was like, holy mackerel, that takes guts to say something like that. But, you know, after that interview, I respected him. I mean, it's going to piss a lot of people off some of the stuff he said in that interview, but I respected him because he stuck to who he was. He didn't change up. He didn't cater to the CNBC audience. The pauses he was taking were incredible, and I found it actually comical, but, I mean, in a good way that he just has the guts to pause like that. So I actually enjoyed the interview a lot. But he said a few things that I think could propel the stock price here in the near term, and that's why we want to get to stock price action. I'm going to talk about that in one second. Well, what did you think about the interview? So one thing that I would say is that it's a, it's a good thing that he does that, right? To slow things down, right? It's something that I've actually learned to do a little bit more of, right? So when I feel like I'm really stumbling or getting to, you know, the, the truth is English is not my first language. So there's going to be certain times where I sure. run into a word and I can already kind of see it coming. I'm like, all right, this one's going to be coming up here. Yeah. And I think that the big part there is to slow things down, Right. We all have a tendency of speeding things up, and that's a lot of times when we make mistakes. That's why Elon instead slows things down. He's like, I'm not going to say the wrong thing here. I'm going to take two seconds and say exactly what I need to say versus just trying to get the reaction because he knows that he gets interviewed by some of the best, right? And 
one of our big jobs as an as a person that's interviewing is trying to get those quick reactions so that the person almost makes a mistake. It's it's kind of a little bit of a trick, right? But the truth is, we do this as people media, that interview. Media, does yeah, that. media overall, right? We're trying to get a reaction. He didn't give us those emotional reactions. He tried to give us what would be the most beneficial answer, I think, to shareholders, of course, of Tesla. Let's talk about some of the comments that he gave, some of the also the mm. out of the Cybertruck, of course, event, mm. the roundup, as they call it now, for the Cybertruck. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know about the Cybertruck overall, but let's talk about what was given out there. Elon Musk stated that Tesla's Model Y is on track to become the best-selling vehicle globally in 2023. Tesla is laying the groundwork to produce 20 million vehicles per year, must express confidence in increasing production of Cybertrucks to a quarter million per year based on demand. He also emphasized Tesla's ability to generate profits from electric vehicles, unlike most other companies. You guys see it out there, Ford, GM, kind of struggling in the EV space. He also cautioned the shareholders, though, about the potential impact of rising interest rates on car affordability. So that's one thing that we all need to keep in mind when we're talking EVs with the higher interest rates, people are gonna struggle with them. He also highlighted a significant higher value of fully autonomous cars compared to non-autonomous cars. He compared it as 10 times the value um, to have that FSD, of course. And there's more comments, of course. You guys can catch all the comments. We even had an article I can throw up in the, in the description here or in the chat so you guys can check it out but now that elon and he said it himself a lot of my focus was on twitter and now a minimal amount will be on twitter and i will be back to focusing on tesla he said a so lot of things that those things make yeah. me a little bit more excited for tesla he said a lot of things that were probably bullish for the stock the one thing probably holding it back was he basically said we're gonna have a tough year yeah. He said everybody is going to have a tough year, though. He really predicted that it's going to slow here in the second half. And that's where you're going to see concerns, you know, people, because we have so much short-termism here, where if you start seeing Tesla, you know, miss sales, you're going to have the stock price get hit. And that's probably what would hold me back from buying the stock here. Um, I loved what he was saying. And here is, so, so that's the bear scenario, is that we do slow down. Tesla sales slow down and, you know, and he was saying the auto industry as a whole, he wasn't just saying Tesla. He just thought, you know, with yeah. interest rates going higher, that there's going to be less. And he was hinting that in the numbers, you know, he was hinting at even in the interview that recent numbers, you know, he looks at daily sales and he kind of hinted that daily sales weren't as good as, you know, what he had hoped that he can kind of see a trend here that is starting to decline a bit. So that's the concerning statement. The bullish statement, which I found very interesting as well was he said we're going to have our chat gpt moment um and he thought in in the next year to two years so year year and a half like by, by the end of like 2024 he was hinting and what that means and i never really think of tesla you know like as a pure ai play but it is a pure ai play because if they get to this autonomous drive and that's what he was talking about where the car can actually drive itself I mean, and and he and the one t advantage with Tesla is these autonomous cars. It's going to be like an update, so your current Tesla could eventually just drive itself. Where all these other, you're going to have to sell your car and go buy an autonomous car. He's saying basically there's going to be a software update, and the car is going to drive itself. I mean, that's what I find amazing about Tesla is you know that these software updates that they just put in changed the whole dynamics of the car it's like my one buddy's got the one car and he said it can go from zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds 3.2 seconds and i was telling that story a while ago to somebody else and he was in the room and he's like oh no it's zero to 60 in three seconds now i was like what do you mean you told me zero to 60 in 3.2 he's like no i got a software update and now it goes zero to 60 in three so just by a software update it increased the performance of the car that's nothing short of incredible you know you can change how a car functions just with a software update. So I do think that's the cool part. And if they gravitate to that story of Tesla being an AI play, you could see the multiple expand from here. The issue you're going to have, though, is that I do believe he's telling the truth when he thinks sales are going to suffer here maybe in the, in the second half. And he, nobody's going to know better than Musk. 
And I'm not sure Wall Street's going to like that if we start seeing the sales decline, especially when it's trading 45 times earnings. I'm thinking of Tesla and I'm just thinking, what are the growth drivers, right? And the Cybertruck is supposed to be the growth driver. The semi-truck, I don't think that's going to be anything really. Because the truth is that we haven't heard anything from the semi-truck since it was released to kind of PepsiCo. Um, you guys remember that event? Yeah, this is a long time ago. <laughs> Have you heard anything since? No, nothing. No, nobody ordering those semis, right? And so that I will just push to the side. I won't even pay attention to that being the growth driver. Here is comments that I think are important. Model Y being on track to be the best-selling vehicle globally in 2023. That shows you what? they def Tesla def just has the lead, right? has a big lead on the legacy makers, right? Ford, GM, everybody trying to step up and take their bread and butter, which is EVs. That's where I think you're going to see that Tesla will have the lead for probably the next, I would say, five years. Maybe not 10 years, but five years. They're not going to be able to catch up to Tesla just quickly. He clearly stated it. There's not, It's not easy to make these and be profitable. Let's just be honest, right? He talked about it, that it's not an easy task and that the, the other vehicle makers will be struggling for this and it be, will be a battle of price. Now, the only question will be, I think, of will Elon get certain credits? I think that that's going to make a difference for the long run. But I think at this point, now that you have him focused back into Tesla, I think this is an opportunity here because the truth is, yes, we will see some struggling with some vehicle sales, but... Tesla gets viewed as a technology company a lot of the times. If so they, they start viewing as an AI company, even take yeah, it Yeah, exactly. The, and the, it is. The PE can go higher, right? The forward look can go higher. And I think that we've got to remember where Tesla was when he first started with Twitter and where Tesla is now, right? And now I think he's going to be wanting to do what? Work his price back up, right? I mean, he lost a lot of money with Tesla going down the way it's been. He's back to making some money. I'm going to be focused. He doesn't focusing. care, though, and he clearly said that. He doesn't care about making money. He cares about uh, winning. He wants I think to he cares win. about – yeah, yeah. But part of that winning is Tesla being a really strong stock, I think. For sure. You know what I, I mean? I think it's AI that's going to be the driver here, pun intended. AI that's will it. be the driver if he gets – if he's the first, if Tesla is the first, and I think they will be, the first to autonomous drive. That is going to be, and it, and it, and it's going to be beforehand. I mean, you know, when we start hearing about, yeah, we're almost there, and he is saying we're almost there. But let's just hold off for a second. He's been saying we're almost there with autonomous drive for a couple years here, like you know, two or three years. We've heard about, you know, we're almost there. We're almost there. I don't know if they're there yet, and I'm not sure you're going to get there in the next year and a half. But if the media can gravitate to the AI story of Tesla, the multiple can expand. The biggest problem is the E is going to likely go down in the second half as he said that sales are not looking great for the second half. He thinks everybody's going to struggle, not Part just Tesla. It. You know, you don't want to be buying a stock when the CEO is saying that they're going to struggle. So I think you're going to eventually get Tesla cheaper. I do think you could get an AI bump here, especially if media gravitates to that story. It could even happen today if the media really is grabbing on to what he was saying about their chat GPT moment. But I think I can't bring myself to buy it when he's talking about the second half struggling. Why not buy it during the second half when it starts to struggle? And then, uh, and then maybe you're going to get it a little bit cheaper. So Tesla's on my watch list, my potential buy list. But if I can't bring myself to buy it at 45 times when he says sales aren't going to be great in the second half. And that's and basically then- what he said. And then we'll also see, I have Ford here. You guys see me looking at the chart, right? I mean, look at the monthly chart there. Ford looks like it wants lower, right? And um, we'll see if it does get back there towards kind of 2019 numbers. That's around 1064 through that level, uh, back down into like kind of the 877 levels. We'll see if Ford, GM kind of give you that pullback opportunity. I feel like we will get that opportunity. Pulling back. Um, But yeah, definitely wouldn't want this right now. I would be kind of waiting for that nice little pullback, break some monthly yeah. support, look for the next levels to maybe catch some support. We'll see what happens to these. All right, moving on from the EV story today, let's talk a little bit just really quickly about regional banks holding up today because, of course, I thought that was probably one of the most important things that I'm looking for in the market because when the regional banks hold up, 
that's when I see tech go higher. So yesterday was a little bit more of a surprising day for me because, of course, I was watching like KRE and I could see that KRE was essentially kind of coming down in the intraday action. And yet we were still going up in technology. So that was an interesting relationship right there. But as you can see, now we got the KRE climbing back here today. And of course, regional banks announcing today, Western Alliance rose in the extended session after the bank said that deposit growth for the current quarter surpassed $2 billion as of May 12th. Um, of course, this is an increase from $1.8 in deposit growth from the quarter through May 9th. So you're seeing increase today that's giving a lift there to WAL. You guys can see that right now getting a nice little spike. I saw also PACW getting a little bit of a lift on this. Yeah. What are you thinking about the regional banks, Dennis? Um, it's good news that they didn't make a new low on this recent move. So that's the good news. Um, we're not out of the woods by any means. We're still significantly down from, I wanted the 45 above that to get bullish and now we're 37. So we still feel like we're hopeless to get back up to that 45. Um, WAL is good news as well. Again, we've seen good news faded on this before though. So I'm skeptical to chase it here up 12% here today. It is going to be a rotation type of day, kind of the opposite from yesterday where yesterday we saw, you know, the banks actually not having a great day, but more retail, not having a good day. And then they were buying tech today. The opposite may happen here. If we see some strength in the banks, I'd expect tech not to perform as well here. And you're actually seeing that already in the queues as they do underperform here. The queues are like the defense trade. And that's why Apple, you're wondering, oh, Apple's down here today. Yeah, Apple's down a buck here today. Um, a little bit of rotation. I'm not sure if there's a headline here or not as well because it was up a little bit earlier. But I think you just got to be careful because right now it's amazing. But, you know, relative to the overall market, the, the NASDAQ's moving the opposite way. And I've never seen that in 23 years. This is the last two months where we've seen this happening, where Microsoft can have a negative correlation, you know, with the overall market. I mean, it's unbelievable. So Apple getting hit here this morning. Keep in mind, Microsoft could be the same thing. It's barely green here now. Um, just keep in mind, it's not a tech type of day when the banks are rallying. These things are moving the opposite directions. Okay, I'm not sure if this is exactly what's affecting Apple right now, but I did see the headline on uh, U.S. slapping Apple's ex-engineer with a tech theft charges. Oh, really? Um, and this is coming from the DOJ. So the DOJ coming after an ex-engineer from Apple, and that came out at 7:49, and it's pretty close to when we're seeing the down action come in on Apple. Right after that, around 8:15. I would say really the action started hitting. Not sure this is exactly why this is a, a decent size hit there in Apple, but that's what Probably. I can see at least. Sounds, from... sounds like it could be. So when we started, just before we started the show, Apple was just trading barely green, mm -hmm. not keeping up with the market again because of that type of day. But this does, you know, this volume is picked up. It does appear to be a headline. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this is the headline, but it's not the kind of day for these stocks here. I mean, yeah. Netflix is down. Meta is down, Apple is down, Microsoft's barely holding green, Google's barely holding green. The reason is that these are safety trades. And when the banks are turning around and you're seeing the IWM go higher, there's this negative correlation right now between the IWM and the Qs. And you can clearly see it in the 90-day chart. Qs straight up, IWM's been straight down the same time period here for the last three months. It's unbelievable, but the IWM and QQQ are negatively correlated with each other. Something to look at today. We'll see what happens to the regional banks. And of course, it could be also debt ceiling talk, of course, out there right now. White House is holding daily meetings to address outstanding issues. President Biden has canceled part of his upcoming international trip due to negotiations. And House Speaker, of course, Kevin McCarthy mentioned that improved process for further talks and express optimism about reaching a deal by the end of the week. Hmm, could that be possible? Who knows? We'll see what happens there. There's going to be a deal. Yeah, there's going to be, but getting a to a deal, it's going to be like, oh, deal, no deal, deal, no deal. And at the end, there's going to be a deal. There's no way they're going to default. So there's going to be a deal, and you're going to have that rally in the last hours. You know, when's the deadline? Is it June, is it June 1st? That June 1st is what Yellen is saying. Yeah. So expect a deal like May 31st in the very late hours, and then they'll have the June 1st rally. I don't know if June 1st is a weekday. I haven't even looked here yet. What's, what's the day of the week is June 1st? 
Uh, it's a th- Thursday. It's a Thursday. Perfect Yeah, timing, so two right? weeks from today, expect, you know, this <laughs> last-minute deal. Probably the Wednesday will be awful because there's no deal yet, and they're tanking the markets, and it's to get a default. To get a default for the first time in the last 10 minutes, right before, they find a deal, they find a way in the last few minutes, and then the June 1st will have the huge rally. So I'm calling the sell-off on the 31st and the rally on the 1st because the deal will happen in the very last second. That's my That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, we'll keep watch to see what happens. Uh, we also get, I think, PCE reading within that time. So I'm keeping an eye out to see what happens. Uh, but definitely keep your eyes to see what goes on in the debt ceiling talk. I personally have been just kind of leaving it on the sideline. Some people are saying that that's why we took that downturn towards the close yesterday. I think it was just kind of more profit taken. We'll see what happens there. Let's get to the next headline here. Of course, let's go to Target here as they reported their earnings. And this one's interesting. I've really been watching Target to try to determine when I can get this one. I've tried it multiple times to see if I can get it. And as you guys can see from the daily chart, it just hasn't really worked out. Been pretty much sideways for more than a year now. Let's talk a little bit about Target Q1 results. Target exceeded here on earnings per share expectations with $2.05 compared to an estimate of $1.76. They beat sales estimates of $25.32 billion, surpassing the estimated $25.29 billion estimate there. Q1 resulted in a show of 0.9 increase in traffic, 0.7% growth in comparable store sales, and a 3.4% decline in comparable digital sales. Target's Q2 EPS outlook $1.30 to $1.70, oh my lower than the estimate of $1.93. So that's where it gets a little bit concerning. The estimates on the EPS definitely coming down. Target's chair and CEO, Brian Cornell, mentioned that the shrink would impact this year's profitability by over $500 million compared to the previous year. So they're clearly stating that they're seeing more kind of organized theft action, a lot of shrink going on. And that's not what you want to be hearing from the consumer side of things, especially coming from Target. That EPS guidance is awful. $1.30 to $1.70 versus $1.93 and the stock is up. This silver lining market is nothing short of incredible. And I mean, if you're a bear, it's got to be tough. Keep getting these bad headlines, and the stock does, and the stocks do not go down. I mean, certain it, stocks going down. Yeah, this but is overall, where I feel like. I mean, Home Depot. They bought the dip in that too. That was a terrible quarter for Home Depot. <laughs> they came in and buy the dip anyways. This target numbers are awful. I mean, a dollar thirty to dollar seven. Just taking that at face value, comps up plus 0.7. Digital sales, Q1 traffic down 3.4 percent. Nothing about this quarter is good. I mean, okay, yeah, we beat 205 versus buck 76. But let's look at where we're going, not what we just did. It doesn't look great. Things trade like 25 times earnings. I mean, holy macro, sold to you. I want nothing to do with Target. I mean, again, you got to like the resilience in the stock here so far, but this makes absolutely no sense to me. I think the stock should be red. Just yeah. my opinion. I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind is, of course, they had their inventory struggles. They've talked about how the consumer also is starting to choose what they're starting to kind of cut the the non-necessities, right? And Target doesn't make that much in groceries. That's where it gets concerning, right? Walmart pretty much makes 70% of their revenue from the grocery side of things, right? Like food. Right. Well, Target doesn't do that as much. A lot of people go for Target for different types of buys. Right. Like, let's say your electronics or your cosmetics because they have Ulta inside. Right. Well, it's it's seeming like at least in this case, Target is going to struggle unless they can get some more people to come in and buy those groceries. So right now, at least inventory turnover got a little bit better. That was the concern that got them down here in the first place. But now. If they can't meet those EPS outlooks, and if it goes closer to that dollar thirty side versus that, you know, one ninety three, it ain't going to be looking pretty there in Target. How will this affect Walmart? Will this lower the bar yeah. for Walmart to come in here and Big kick time. it out the water? And it's Big time lowers the bar for Walmart here. So keep that in mind as it reports tomorrow morning. This bar is lowered dramatically. Let's see what Target does here today. I mean, if Target nice recovery, green, of I can't even fathom. 
how Target stays green on this. But again, this market doesn't trade on logic. It trades on just nonsense. So, you know, they're going to look and just say, eh, whatever, everything's a silver lining market, finds a reason to buy them anyways. Um, I do think it lowers the bar for Walmart. I think if Walmart says something okay tomorrow, I think it could rally on it. Again, though, you can't buy Walmart right now because if Target falls, Walmart's going to fall with it. So I would say at the end of the day, there may be a play to be long Walmart into the report. But, um, you know, it's always scary when you're taking stocks long into the report. But it definitely lowers the bar, makes it a little bit easier for to see where Walmart could actually rally on their report tomorrow. All right. Now, I do want to take a second here. We are getting some kind of retail sales that would be coming in. So I'll just show you guys our calendar from yeah. Benzinga Pro here to make life easy. Right. We are looking right now retail sales month over month. That's what I'm going to be focusing on to see what happens here as it hits the tape. But there's some other things and other action going on here at 830. So definitely catch that if you guys are seeing a little bit of action here. Of course, we can go right here to the news. You can see housing starts here for April at 2.2% versus a negative 4.5% prior. I'm looking to get that retail sales number. I'll get you guys that in just a couple seconds. And then we'll get to, of course, our interview that's coming up. We got Nate Tobik going to be joining us in just a couple of seconds. He's here in the background. Um, looking for those retail sales to come in here. And I'll give you guys that as soon as it hits. Are we seeing any action on the spy off of this? Housing starts looks in line. So we got housing starts in line. Um, S&Ps have leaked a little bit, but we're really muted response here. I mean, yeah, we're, muted we're, we're kind of the same sure. spot where we were building permits slightly down. I mean, nothing drastic in these numbers, at least so far. So, um, yeah, looks like a nothing burger so far. Yeah, it doesn't look like we're getting much reaction from this. So I'll keep an eye out. I'll let you guys know exactly what I see there, but not much that we're seeing right now in the SPY. At least we climbed back a little bit. I was kind of thinking we'd climb back. It seems to lately like we're getting these little late uh, uh, day sell-offs. A lot of times I'm looking at the banks to see if that's where the action is. All right, it's about 8.32. I'm going to go ahead and just pull down my charts. We'll go to our guest a little bit early here. He's ready to go. Let's do this, team. You guys smash the like. Let's get to the action. All right, Nate, how are we doing today? Good. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Ready to get after the action, of course. It seems like uh, we're, we're still kind of dealing with the banking situation, of course, out there. What right. do you think, at least from the recent updates? How are you feeling about the overall okay. sector in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Some things have settled down. Um, you know, there's still tons of turmoil. And um, especially there's uh, it there's so I don't know, you know, a month or two ago, it was hard to see who the winners and losers were going to be. And no. it seems like some of that's actually starting to clear up. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you could see like JP Morgan buying the whole First Republic book. So they're going to win on that one. Um, they they kind of bought the biggest whale that was out there. I think we're still going to see some other banks that have issues. And um, <clears throat> those are going to be divided up by some of the other regionals. And so those guys are going to be the winners. Uh, there are going to be some losers and... Um, you know, how that starts to shake out. I think it's going to be in some of these smaller banks. Um, I mean, I know we've seen like, so in terms of the divide, if you look at first quarter earnings for banks, and if you look at first quarter funding costs, uh, banks who do not have good relationships with their customers or a strong reason for them to stay are the ones who their funding costs are going up significantly. And the ones that actually have a, a deposit franchise and, and, franchise value. Those are the ones where their their funding costs are going up, but not as much. And so if you want to see who who's going to be in trouble soon, uh, the, the easiest thing to do is really to look at what that funding cost is uh, for the first quarter. So, I mean, we've seen some small community banks, their funding costs went from like 20 BIPs to 2%, to, you know, 200. And so it's like 2% and then they're, they're lending out. It, it's, it's just not a sustainable thing. What, give us a couple names here, Nate, that you think may you know be the winners and maybe give us a couple names that you think may be the losers here. So in terms of the winners, I mean, it's it's stupid to say, but I think it's actually if you just look at the biggest banks in the U.S. down. So I, I think J.P. Morgan was a special case in terms of the, you know, the bigger ones. 
I don't think we're going to see Bank of America or Wells Fargo or City buying anyone. Um, so you have to jump down below that. So uh, U.S. Bank, PNC Bank, uh, those are going to be some of the winners. Um, I could see regions and ending up with someone. Um, it it's really that you know. So if you it's kind of the the rumor mill, it was uh, PNC was looking at First Republic, and um, along with some of these other deals. So I, my sense is that regulators are just shopping these from the largest ones, um, with the idea that they're the ones who are able to absorb any impact. <clears throat> what about PacWest, PacWest? So much concern that came out there. Now we're starting to see it kind of going sideways. Are you concerned about a bank like this? I So with some of the, so PacWest and Western Alliance, some of these ones that have been hit hard, um, <clears throat> my thought is if they're able to just survive it's like the longer they survive, the greater the chance that they will survive, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. the the initial fear washed over them. Yes, things looked bad. If they're able to just keep pushing forward, um, there's going to be confidence that returns to these stocks in the market. Are they a good buy? I'm not sure. Uh, both of them still have issues, especially with, you know, where their, their portfolios are, um, you know, so... <clears throat> there's the whole securities and what's the value of these portfolios. There's also concern at some of the regional banks about, um, you know, commercial real estate and that whole thing. And um, what's the value of that? I know. So you look at a lot of, you know, office towers. Um, it's likely that there might not be much equity left or it, it's a very slim amount for the, the building owner. And um, so that in, in essence puts the loan at risk. Um, as long as rents are being paid and the the interest on those notes are being paid, um, I think everyone just wants, it's like, just kind of get to the next quarter, get to the next quarter, keep, yeah. just keep it, you know, keep the hamster running on the wheel a little longer. And, um, and that's really a secret in, in this is banking is a confidence game in a lot of ways. And if you could just keep up confidence long enough, people will say, you know, they, through that crisis, they didn't fail. So I think they're okay. And, yeah. Um, that's what people are, that's what banks are trying to do. And, and, and do you think we're going to get any more bank failures? Like we've had, you know, three majors here, like we're not majors, but three significant failures here. Do you think there's more like beyond FRC or do you think it's like, the FRC was, you know, what JP Morgan said, he thought that that was the end of it. What Jamie Dimon was saying. What, what I, I, I don't know about big bank failures. I think we, so I'm not, I don't know if I'd classify it as a failure, but I think we're going to end up with a bunch of smaller zombie banks. And that is that they have, they loaned out most of their money at say three to 4%. They are going to end up paying three to 4% to keep their depositors and they're making no money and there's just no value there and no one wants to buy them because they'd have to revalue those loans at market so they're just stuck there's going to be a lot of those uh the longer interest rates is if they just stay the same that's what's going to happen um i don't see i don't think we're going to have a you know the domino effect of a couple more large banks fail like that i i think it's going to be a lot of zombies start to to roll out there. And, um, and in some ways that's, you know, that's actually worse because people are going to start to think about do you know, the money at, uh, you know, first bank of down the street, do I have to worry about them? Yeah. And, um, yeah. are they going to be closing branches? And, you know, is this like a, a small town real impact thing versus, um, you know, so a <laughs> it's, crazy to say, but it's like, I think some of the reason we didn't have a, a true banking crisis is because these banks that failed are all out West and they're not in New York. And for some reason there's a, it's like, since it's not in the money center, that, you know, it's happening in California. So it can't be real. Um, and it's, <laughs> there may be a point to there. Yeah. One, no, one more question to that. Yeah, Nate, ahead, would man. you buy the KRE? Because obviously then you're getting exposure. I don't know, there's like 120 banks in there. And right. you think maybe you're getting closer to the bottom than the top. I mean, KRE is near the lows here. It's basically been cut in half in the last two months. 
if you think we're not going to get any more real, you know, like, you know, bigger I, I bank think failures it's probably here. worth a small, like, you know, I, yes, I was looking at the same thing right before this. And it's like, if you look back, even on the past couple of years, the other time it was this low is I, I want to say like March, 2020. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're right there. So th- that's it. And, and at that point, I mean, think about the fear that was in the economy. It was like, everything was shut down and we're just, you know, it's, it's all going to zero. And it's like that. So this is as low as it was. Will there be issues? There probably will be, but I would say it's probably start to time to start, you know, putting a toe in the water, at least. Um, There's a lot of fear in the market and it's, I'm not sure these are all dead. Now, my concern also here, Nate, would be the focus of how's the credit crunch coming in, right? And of course, this is going to start getting serious also, especially if we're going to go into a prolonged higher interest rate period, right? I'm in the camp that I don't feel like we're going to pivot this year. I know that that's not what the Fed fund futures are saying. And I think that that could definitely change in an instant. What do you think about this and how that will affect the banks moving forward? Because it's not like they can go out there and just start lending a, a crap ton at this at these rates. Well, so the, they can and they can't. Um, so yes, there's going to be somewhat of a credit crunch. Um, I think what it's really going to be is credits tightening to lower quality borrowers. So mm-hmm. uh, if you had a speculative project in the past that the bank was like, you know, we'll take a flyer on this because I think it might work, um, they'd get that done at at four percent. Um, now they're really picky with what they want to do. Um, a lot of projects, it's going to be, uh, you know, fixed rate plus a, a floating um, at a benchmark. And so that's going to go up or down with rates. And it's really going to kind of sift out the lower quality borrowers. So someone who is willing to pay eight or nine percent, uh, that's going to be someone you want to lend to anyway. So those sort of companies are still going to get credit. Uh, I think, you know, people moving, you talked about housing starts. That's an interesting thing. I think mortgages have sort of settled around 6%-ish, which historically has been about normal. And uh, really, we just need people to accept that and realize that this is what it is. Nothing's changing. Um, Everyone was buying and selling houses back in, you know, 2007, 2002, 1998, whatever, at 6%. It wasn't a big deal. But when you're thinking, it's like, oh, I've got a 2.8%. I don't know if I want to sell that. It's like, you just have to accept that at some point. And, and once, once we get that, and um, I think housing is going to open up a little bit. A little bit different question. Don't know if you cover these all the time, Nate, but what about like Capital One and, and kind of, of course, your credit services there? <laughs> How do you feel about these companies? So, okay, so Capital One, uh, essentially like a bank with a credit card on top. Um, I think I think that's an interesting one. I mean, they're making a huge spread. Um, what they're really trying to do is they're trying to get into some of the higher end credit cards. You know, they, they are doing all this, um, you know, all the advanced travel cards and all this stuff. Um, it's an interesting play and uh, it can make sense, uh, you know, the consumer seems to have enough credit as it is. So I'm not sure if there's going to be an expansion there. And um, I would say in terms of some of the other credit services, anything a little lower down the scale, not not as interesting. Even I know we've talked about it before, like SoFi. Um, you know, if you go like you could go on Twitter, there's threads of people getting loan offers from them. It's like, I think I'm just going to take this and not even make any payments. So <laughs> That's their yeah. customer. <laughs> Just, wow. You, um, I don't see the same thing with Capital One. You know, they, you yeah. don't see people. It's like, I'm going to get the venture card and and <laughs> never pay. Never pay. <laughs> Just That's how it is. And I, I think this is why I'm looking at them, you know, especially in a time like this where we, we have seen them getting hit uh, recently. In early January, they were kind of spiking a little bit, Capital One. So I'm going to keep these on watch. Of course, we'll see what happens with the regional bank concerns. Nate Tobik, investor, founder, completebankdata.com, author of the Bank Investor's Handbook. And Nate, something in your voice today seems a little bit calmer than it was a couple of weeks yeah. past. So well, that's, it seems that's like... Thing. 
That's yeah, it thing. seems like the storm's calming out there a little I, bit. I think it is. One one area I would still stay away from is um, like mortgage, like a rock and mortgage, Quicken Loans. Anyone yeah. who is, they did a lot of volume on refis and the mortgage boom. Uh, mm -hmm. It is dire out there for them. And yeah. so that's where layoffs are coming. Uh, there's, there's a cycle within banking and lending, which is... Um, that in a crisis, there are no non-bank lenders for for residential mortgages. They basically all go out of business and banks are doing almost 100% of that lending. And then uh, as conditions ease, those non-bank lenders come back in, they end up doing almost 100% of those residential mortgages. And when it's non-bank lenders doing most of the mortgages, that that's almost a sure sign that a crisis is around the door. And then those guys all they all fold, it goes back to banks and it just keeps repeating. And so uh, we've hit it where they're not really doing much volume and it's mostly banks. And so uh, that's the point of that cycle we're in. Hey, well, good uh, information there. A little added bonus from Nate. You guys smashed yeah. the like for that one. Good to have you on, Nate. We'll have you back on. Have a good one, my friend. Great. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Let's get back to the market. Let's take a little peek there to see what's going on. Uh, what are you seeing right now, Dennis, at least? Uh, more rotation. Um, a lot of green on the screen. Again, Apple yeah. week here this morning. You're seeing tech not keep up here this morning. Some of the leaders are the laggards here today. All the laggards are leaders here this morning. we got all the banks trading higher. This is off of WAL, which completely turned around. It's crazy. Like WAL equals you know but if a wal is good news starts going up that means it's sell apple i mean yeah. this market that we're in just understanding okay. those relationships can make you money and you know this is what i try to do is try to identify the relationships before the algos figure it out because as a human being you can identify them much faster you still have you know everybody thinks oh it's all high frequency trading and they've got all that whipped i mean they don't as relationships change they don't change quickly because one they've got a back test strategies, figure it out, you know, and then code it and then eventually implement it. You could be making money for weeks before some of these processes actually occur. And then you have to actually have people identified in those firms. So that's why as a human being, there's still so much opportunity, especially when relationships change to extract alpha from those changing relationships. And right now, understanding that tech, IWM and QQQ have a negative correlation with each other. That's not normal. It's not going to stay like that forever, but that's the market we're currently in. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, Dennis. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to mess around a little bit with uh, a quant feature that comes from Moomoo, um, part of the brokerage that we have that we've been using for the small account challenge uh, and on, on live trading. And I really like it because you can kind of pretty much start coding your own algorithm through it. So uh, I'm going to take a look a little bit deeper and try my best to see what I can come up with. Pretty cool feature. If you guys want to check that out, of course, ask the live trading boys about the quant feature on Moomoo. All right, let's keep going. Let's take a look there. Let's look around. Let's get to the next kind of earnings retail stock, right? Let's go to TJX as they reported their earnings. Yeah. Let's give it right here. I'm putting it at the bottom there for you guys. Q1 EPS at 76 cents beat the 71 cent estimate. Sales at 11.78 billion misses the 11.82 billion estimate. TJX company sees Q2 overall comparable store sales up 2 to 3% and see EPS at 72 cents to 75 cents on the high end versus a 79 cent estimate. They see fiscal year 24 adjusted EPS at $3.39 to $3.48 versus a $3.55 estimate and comparable stores sales were up on that 2 to 3%. You can see how, again, the dip gets bought here, yeah. TJX. Yeah, and they're just silver lining market, which is really what we're in. Everybody's expecting the worst. And when it comes out and it's like, well, they guided down, but they didn't guide down that much. Let's buy the stock. I mean, that's where we're at. I mean, this market is so accepting of, you know, of earnings decline. It's unbelievable. So, I mean, then that puts huge holes in the bear thesis. It's why I've taken off a little bit you know, of, um, you know, my bearish hat here, because you've got to respect it. I still think sideways is the call. And I think you're buying stocks right in calls against is not a bad idea here at all. Um, you know, not necessarily on TJX, but, you know, just on the market overall, but it's a silver lining market. I'm not sure what breaks that. 
I'm not sure what actually comes in. Like, let's just throw out scenarios. If we got a warning from one of the big guns here, do the stocks even go down like for a day or two, or do they actually just turn around and buy the dips on those two? Like, let's just say Apple, hypothetical. Apple mm-hmm. warns. You know, and obviously they just reported, so you're probably not going to see that for a month or so until we get into the next earnings season. But let's say hypothetically that happened where Apple warns. Does a stock go down for more than a day or does it just the dip get bought on it anyways? I mean, it's hard to be a bear, like full-on bearish, and I'm neutral, so I'm not bullish, I'm not bearish, I'm calling sideways. So here today, listen to me what I'm calling because people say, oh, you're bullish, you're bearish. Sideways. I'm sideways. I went bearish for a bit when the regional banks got really ugly. Yeah. I'm back to the sideways. Regional banks start to get ugly. I'll start to get bearish. But right now, regional banks have stabilized overall. I'm sideways, calling the market sideways. But I mean, how do you be in the bear camp when they're buying stocks on bad news? I agree, Dennis. And that's why I know that you're sideways, but I'm actually on my outlook, I'm actually going back to the bullish side. Well, Why? I'll give you that too. Just because at the end of the day, it seems like, and you're saying it, Dennis, underneath, underneath the worry yeah. of the bank concern, there's a bull market here. And and and, and that's hard for me to say because you guys know I've been trying to stick to just 420, that we need to get to that level for it to be technically bull market. But look at the reactions that we're getting. Right. Look at the top uh, stocks. Right. Apple. Look at Google. Look at Microsoft. Look how Amazon's reaction is. And every time we do get these negative news, if we're not going to go down on it. Yeah. And, and if we can be in a, in a banking crisis and be actually stair stepping higher, yeah, I know. that That's just means that if that goes away, if the regional bank worries goes away, if the debt ceiling goes away, what is holding this market back? Not much, I would say. I, and I mean, you're going to have that too. Like, don't kid yourself, folks. They're going to get a deal done. It's going to be last minute. So maybe we get a dip as it looks like there's not going to be a deal. That is going to be the buying opportunity because there's going to be probably, a you know, some, you know, there's yeah, probably not going to be smooth sailing to the deal. A little, little shakeout, right? A little yeah, shakeout. I think so. Like the last minute deal, but it's going to happen. Like, and nothing's 100%. I mean, but I think it's very highly unlikely that the U.S. is going to default here on their on some of their debt. I think that's very highly unlikely. We've been down this road before. There'll be that last-minute deal. And then you get the huge spike, you know, on June 1st maybe trading. You know, you get that huge spike up. But, you know, overall, though, why can't we go sideways for a while? Why can't we just go into a digestion period? Stocks are not cheap. You know, why do we have to go to a rip-roaring bull market? So... I think, you know, I, I just don't see the market just blasting off at all-time highs because, you know what, earnings are still going down. But I also don't see the stocks getting killed because, you know what, earnings have been going down for some of these companies and the stocks aren't going down. So you can't just stay full bearish here because you've got a lot of, you know, news that's in your favor if you're the bears. Like Target today was an absolute, you know, disaster, really, if you take it at face value. And the stock is up. So... Hard to fight that if you're bearish. Yeah, and that this I'm not buying Target me. though. No, I don't want to buy stocks that are you know the the sales and the you know the EPS are declining. But doesn't mean you know that means maybe there's other stocks that like Walmart tomorrow that may not be that bad, and then they're actually going to really buy it. Yeah, I think what the the bigger stocks at least are showing me is that the worst is probably done. At least that's what I. From the bigger boys, that's what it feels to me like. And I think that, you know, like always, we're not going to know until we actually, you know, see the market take off. But for right now, the reactions to the negative news, the reactions to negative earnings seems to be just in line and keeping the stock right there. And so I just feel like we're stair-stepping higher. We're kind of sideways consolidation, but at the top, not the bottom of the range. And I think that that can leave uh, real room for the kind of the bears that get caught here as they're kind of shorting because of the range. And then we bust through 420 on a big move. That's what I'll be looking for. If we get it, we'll have to wait, right? Let's get to another uh, earnings report. One of the best ones on the day. Let's go to Wix. Um, Wix.com getting a nice little lift off here towards 87.75. You guys can see it on the chart. Adjusted EPS at 91 cents beat the 14 cent estimate. Sales of 374.08 million beat the 369.35 million estimate. Wix Q2 revenue outlook 300 million 
380 million to 385 million versus a 377.61 million estimate. They also raised the revenue outlook for fiscal year 23. So not looking too bad here for Wix.com. Uh, China struggling here today. Um, Wix, where where are we? Are uh, I'm just looking with Wix here. Um, yeah, just just uh just your classic internet provider, your web yeah. website builder, right? I mean, this shows me more and more that you know maybe we're starting to get some uh kind of retail new businesses starting to come up. Um, not really too scared of the inflation that's out there as we're starting to see a turnaround. And starting to see business come back to Wix shows me that, right? Now, the EPS beat was just massive. That's what's giving it the lift here, right? I mean, 91 cent to 14 cent estimate. And then the revenue guidance is looking good here. I mean, they, they even on the lower yeah. end, guiding above the estimate shows me what? They're seeing their business turn around here. And that's Wix. And, and they're buying them on, you know, when they're getting good earnings, they're really some, some of them are really getting bought. I mean, DT too, which we can talk about that one as well in, in this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't even a great report for DT, but look, man, they're buying it up 6%. It was up 8, 9% here this morning. I actually had this overnight in my long-term, or not my, in my short-term trading account. Um, it's funny. I forgot to sell it. So it was a small position. I didn't even notice that I had it. You know, you have too many positions in your overnight account when you don't even notice that you had DT. And that was a huge winner for me today. And I was like, oh my goodness, I forgot to sell that last night. So sometimes luck is on your side. And even on my side, I sold out at 50 50. And I, I think uh, 50, yeah. So in the 50s, and it's actually lower than that. So I was really lucky on this one. I mean, sometimes you, you just have luck. So, and that was just flat out luck on this because I meant to sell this. You know how I like to own the stocks before they report. And I literally just, you know, and that was good. DT had run up into the report. It's been running up for the last week and a half. But um, I forgot it. And I, I can't believe I forgot to sell it. And um, yeah, so anyways, uh, it worked out for me that this, this time. But going back to Wix, I think you got resistance up here maybe at 90. But again, you just got to be careful, you know, fading stocks yeah. that are having okay reports. Because they're buying stocks on crappy reports. When the stock has a decent report, they might continue to buy it. So just be careful fading those. Yeah, we'll see what happens with these. Let's keep it going. I got one more maybe to touch here. Um, actually, let's talk a little bit about the secondary offerings that you've been seeing out there, Dennis. Uh, looks like you, you caught a couple out there. We can talk a little bit about some of these. I know you have a list and it's something to t think about, right? I mean, secondary offerings are not what we want to be seeing. And there's still a lot, a lot of, of zombies out there. And really, we haven't really got a lot of zombie stocks to disappear, right? I mean, it, we didn't run into that concern. What are you seeing out there, Dennis? Um, I'm seeing five I had written down from last night in the hours okay. from four to five. So I don't know if there was more after that, but it was like secondary after secondary after secondary. I mean, EVGO catches a buy rating from Stiefel right after the close at four o'clock. And then it does a secondary around 4.30. So, and then it turns around and kills. So that poor analyst, obviously buy rating at the worst possible time. Um, secondary in his face or her face. RE, secondary offering stock is down 10 bucks. AZEK does the old offering and buyback at the same time, which is always interesting. Repurchase with an offering. But AZEK is trading down. That's uh, like Trex, I believe it is. Same type of company. HESM has midstream oil company. And then Max and Solar. I mean, you hit every. That's a diversified portfolio of stock offerings there. Solar company, an oil company um you know plastic wood maker a reinsurer and then you know an ev company as well all with secondary offerings raising cash so telling you you know the times aren't as good as they once were you know maybe some of these companies are trying to expand but re at the same time you know it's been a company that's been around a long time some of these might just be raising money for tougher times ahead in the second quarter but i'm still of the opinion if tougher times happen does the market even care because it's expected it so yeah. it's such a tough market to be bearish yeah, definitely. I, I think it's something to look out for. We'll see if these companies just survive, right? They're still in survival mode since this situation has really happened. And of course, when you start seeing secondary offerings here, right, at what percentages are they getting this at, right? Like how much, how expensive is this debt now compared to if they've gotten it two or three years ago, right? Something to keep in mind. All right, I'm going to pull this charts down. I'm going to go ahead and bring up, of course, our Trade Zero segment. Let's sure. get into some action. You guys throw some stocks in the chat. Let's take a look.
Team, I do want to mention we did fix that link that was a little broken there in the description, and I'm throwing it up here in the chat also so you guys can check out, of course, Trade Zero's extensive inventory of short locates. Let's take a look what's on the net change up, and let's find out. Let's take a look here. All right, of course, you guys see Wick here. You guys see Wall. We talked about the banks, but you Key see Nvidia. reported too. Mm. Key. Key. Key's Key. right at the top. At there you go. Keys, baby. <laughs> Uh, definitely getting a nice little lift off there. I didn't get the numbers there. Earnings grab... 212 versus buck 95, so a beat and a beat. I uh, didn't see any guidance here. Um, I didn't dig into this quarter whatsoever, though, but obviously it was okay. I mean, you got a, you got a lot of you got a diversified list of winners. When was upgraded? That's why it's up there. Walmart's mm -hmm. trading up with the Target because Target's starting to you know, be an up over. Although Walmart is up more than Target, so I don't know if there's a headline on Walmart here as well. Um, first solar is a bounce back has been down for a few days since, um, you know, I had that ridiculous move up. Yeah. Um, I'd watch for solar that gets anywhere down here 200. You got bit major support down there now. So actually I kind of interested on this one on a pullback here just because the strong seem to keep getting stronger. What yeah. else you see that you like on there, Mitch? Uh, if you're talking that one, I will be looking for a move above 300 for, uh, SEDG. I really like that level before I've played it off that level before, for a nice little run. The big thing with this one, you got to be careful because the spread is wide and it does make big moves, right? Like a daily move for SEDG is easily 15, 20 points sometimes. So just keep that in mind, right? Always important. All right, let's see what else we're seeing here. Eli Lilly continuing higher. This is a company that can't stop, won't stop. And yes, Dennis, we still messed up, man. Oh. <laughs> I've messed up a few. Wanted Lily down at 310. What was the other one? The two we messed up the most money, oh, Mitch, was Lily man. and Shopify. Yeah, those we are the two. We we'll talked about Lily about. at 330, at 320. It kept going down, and then it's just rallied and rallied and rallied. And we talked about this $40 level in Shopify. I feel like for a month we talked about this level. Yeah. Never bought it, and obviously it blasted off from there, too. So um it's been you know one of those environments where some stocks go some stocks don't it's mm. a stock pickers market gets some of them right some of them wrong i've had some really bad buys i've had some really good ones it's been just a really weird market like amd was a really good one for me but you know i recently obviously bought a uh, square and that's been going down so and i took a half size position in square i thought you know valuation but it continues to go down with paypal which goes down every single day PayPal, nothing short of incredible how much they hate that stock. But, you know, it's one of those markets where strong gets stronger and weak get weaker. Yeah, I actually really like this pullback for Shopify. I've been looking for a little bit of a pullback opportunity to maybe play it on the day trade side. Um, I like this. I've got, a, here. I've got a hop, though, Mitch. I've got a call here. So you got it, Dennis. Take care of it. I got yep. this, my friend. All right, I'll be I'll be taking us towards the close. No worries. I'm here for you guys. And uh, we'll take a look at some other stocks, and then I'll start to wrap it up. Gush bouncing back today. Oil's been getting hit really hard. So just be careful. You guys see a little bit of a bounce back in oil names. They've, they've been really coming down pretty fast here. So we'll keep an eye out to see what happens there. Humana getting a little bit of a bounce back today. I'll keep an eye out to see if that can ever get a little bit of a bounce back. That's been really smacked down as of late. And definitely pay attention today. We'll see what's on the change down. But starting to wrap up the day, I see Baidu down a little bit. MSTR, that just shows me more and more the Bitcoins getting hit here as of late. And that's something to keep in mind, right? Bitcoin's been attached to the kind of the NASDAQ. And now you're seeing Bitcoin come down, but the Q's really not kind of coming down and cracking. Max N with a nice little pullback opportunity here as it jumped up there to 38s, now pulling back here towards kind of this 28 level, 29, could fill the gap and then find a little bit of a bounce. That's one actually I'll keep in mind and we'll see what happens on some other trades out there. Definitely going to start wrapping it up here. Smash the like button if you guys enjoyed today's show, of course. Uh, you guys can check out Trade Zero, check it out. And of course, if you guys are looking for some short locates, this is probably... One of the best places that you guys can find some of those shorts. I throw up the link there one last time. We're going to start wrapping it up here. Let me go ahead and bring down my trade zero. Uh, tell you guys a little bit about the trades that I have over overnight and what I've been doing as of late. I've been taking a little bit of a basket approach here. I started going after the cruise lines. I started going after NCLH, CCL, that's Carnival Cruise Lines. Um, so I have swing positions in these, and I'm going to continue watching to see if these can rise. Why do I like NCLH? Just look at RCL, right? I wasn't able to catch this one as it rocketed off, but I'm looking to see some of the other ones play catch up. 
And then I also went for the airlines basket. I went for American Airlines. I went for UAL. And I also went for DAL. I'm going to look for these to continue higher. I have all of them in the green. So that seems to me like, you know what? I'm just going to let these work. I'll set some uh, GTC orders while I'm away. I'll be at VCon, of course, the next two days. So you guys will have AB and Dennis Dick, of course, tomorrow and Friday. You guys... You guys are enjoying the uh, definitely the rants tomorrow and Friday. I can't wait. I'm actually probably tuned in a little bit in the morning. I'll catch you guys like always. Up next, we guys got live trading. That's coming up. Ryan and Zunaid will actually take you through that show. I will be out as I've been building my small account challenge and now heading, of course, to Indianapolis. You guys, if you guys are in Indianapolis and you guys want to check me out, want to meet up, let me know. And hit me up, of course, at MoneyMitchBZ. I'm going to wrap it up here today. We'll see what happens in the market. Smash the like if you guys enjoyed today's show. See you next time. Like always, hit that like. Hit the subscribe down below. Now to get you guys over to some live trading action. And I'll see you guys next time. For me, it's that's the end of the week. But I'll keep doing the swing trades that I got. And, of course, keep pushing forward. I hope you guys push forward in the market today. Be careful out there. One of the biggest things that I'm looking at is the banks. When the banks go higher, I feel like the tech names really take off. That's one thing that I'll keep an eye out for today. You guys smash the like. We'll see you next time, team. Stick around. Live trading starting up.